operation of the machine becomes so odious, makes you so sick at heart that you can't take part. You can't even passively take part. And you've got to put your bodies upon the gears and upon the wheels, upon the levers, upon all the apparatus, and you've got to make it stop. Welcome back to the best damn fantasy podcast for your ears. I'm your host, Randall Kennedy. You can find me on Twitter and on TikTok at FF underscore Terminator. Uh, well, here we are. Uh, we're fastly approaching week three. Um, and if you're like me and you play in a lot of leagues, uh, injuries are starting to mount uh, already. And I don't know if this is a combination of, you know, uh, shorter off season, uh, fewer preseason games. Uh, these guys just not being conditioned as well in the past. Uh, we know that's not an issue for the immortal one, Tom Brady. Uh, but uh, injuries just seem to be starting to mount more and more. So uh, I wanted to bring on a, a special guest to the program. He's been here before. Uh, you can find him on Twitter at the real Adam H. Uh, he's a contributor at Four for Four Sports. Uh, and he's really, really good at what he does. Uh, so without further ado, Adam, uh, it's really nice to have you here, man. Sorry, I was muted there. Yeah, man, I appreciate you for, for having me back on. Uh, we go we go a little ways back. Yeah, man, yeah, it's always good to have you on. You definitely know your stuff. Um, keep the guys informed. Uh, you know, you, you started out, uh, you know, just like, most of us just, I guess, just gravitated towards Twitter, and then uh, you got you got noticed by a couple of a uh, couple of uh, publications, and now you're with Four for Four. Yeah, man, I appreciate the the kind words, and um, it, it's fun. I mean, I think we we all get into this because we enjoy fantasy football, and um, I'm definitely still navigating the waters out there, trying to figure out um, you know just different things that I can can help the uh, fantasy community with, and and figuring out uh, ways to sharpen up my approach. I mean, because I I think at the end of the day, especially with injuries, and I'm definitely guilty of this, is um, we, we have a hard time separating like our clinical thinking, like how we think when we're at work or doing things and then like trying to relate it to fantasy football, because a lot of the times, especially fantasy gamers, they just want to know how long the guy's out. Is it going to happen again? And what is his production going to look like? Like those are, those are the things that really your, your average fantasy gamer, that's all they care about. Um, so I've been working a lot this season with four for four, putting out content and just trying to focus on those, those basic concepts. Well, yeah, man, your your content is second to none, and I think you just you just presented it in a succinct way, exactly the three things that that we want to know. So, before we jump in and start just chewing on these guys, I want to ask you: Have you ever used your knowledge for evil? Like, have <laughs> you have you ever traded away a guy that you knew or you felt like was never going to be the same again? So, yes, but in a reverse, a reverse fashion. So, oh. I so it's a lot of the leagues I play with people that. Um, so one league I play with a lot of physical therapists. So it's really hard to like pull a fast one over on another physical therapist. Like they already know. 
Um, and then I'm in some other leagues with some people, some friends, and they know what I do for like writing for fantasy football and as a physical therapist. So anytime I'm trying to trade away somebody or trade for somebody, they're always like, what are, what are you up to? Like, uh, but I am in some leagues where I'm a little bit, uh, incognito that, uh, join some like sleeper leagues and, and things like that. I pulled off a DJ Moore trade last year when everyone was like freaking out that he ruptured his Achilles. And I thought I was like, I don't know. I don't think he ruptured his Achilles. I think I can maybe buy low before this Monday news comes out. And I got him a uh, pretty reasonably priced. I gave up like, uh, I think either two second or a second and a third round pick in like a rookie draft. And I got DJ Moore at like a pretty big discount when people were freaking out about him. That is a pretty big discount. DJ Moore's balling so far this year. I'm I'm pumped. He wasn't really yeah. doing great last year. I don't know what was going on with the – it seemed like him and Robbie Anderson were like traded roles almost. Like Robbie Anderson was the guy, and it's been weird. I, I was a little bit nervous about DJ Moore because I was a big fan last year, but he's. it sounds like he's finally producing like we thought he would. Well, he got a big quarterback upgrade this offseason. Teddy Two Gloves is off to Denver, and Sam Darnold sure. is – yeah, second year in the system also, so he seems to be pretty comfortable. Um, speaking of Denver and, and Teddy Bridgewater, I'll, let's just recap uh, from week one, if you don't mind, man. He yeah. seemed to he seemed to only have eyes for Jerry Judy in that first half. My man had seven targets, yep. and he looked like he was well on his way. And I'll be honest, uh, when this injury occurred, it looked to me like, he he had broken his leg, so mm-hmm. I, you know I don't know. Jerry Judy must drink milk like every day, <laughs> uh, because this looked to me like like it was fractured. Did did it appear that way to you? And and yeah. How, so the prog I guess the initial prognosis was uh, six to eight weeks, and then they said four to six weeks. Uh, when do you really expect him back? So I'm with you too. Um, I was watching that game live, and I I was bummed out initially too, because I mean, video isn't diagnostic. It's certainly part of the puzzle, but it doesn't tell the whole story as we're we're watching the video here. I thought he did too, because when your ankle externally rotates like that, I mean, there's only um, so much degrees of freedom that it has before the pressure point, the breaking point is a fracture, um, usually in the fibula, which is the outer part of the leg. Um, so when I watched that, I thought, yeah, man, he, he might've fractured it, but, um, we talk about like refining our process too. I mean, everyone knows who pro football doc is, um, and follows up with him. And he had, he had seen it, I think live too, or very soon afterwards. And he immediately knew he's like, Oh, high ankle sprain. And I was like, and that's why I like following people like that. Cause it helps me get better. You know, you look at injuries and you're like, what did I miss with that? Or like, what, what's going on with that? Um, but he knew immediately high ankle sprain. So yeah, when they came out with that timeline, like you were talking about six to eight weeks, I think that's a little more accurate because not all injuries are uh, created equal. There's different severity. There's different degrees of injuries, right? So I'm thinking when I got all the information, I was sitting down and writing down kind of the breakdown, the injury breakdown for that week. I basically said like I would prepare to not have Jerry Judy for the first six like the first half of the season because i think six weeks is like a decent timeline could be a little bit longer the broncos have a later buy so i don't think you really factor that into like oh maybe they'll rest them one more week because they have like a week eight or nine buy or something like that i think it's a little bit later in the season 12 or 13 um so i would really prepare 
definitely probably for six weeks. Um, could be a little bit longer. I wouldn't be surprised by eight weeks. Yeah, so we kind of saw this. Uh, we we sort of seems like we see this every year with a, with a guy. And last year it was Michael Thomas, a mm-hmm. uh, high ankle sprain. He rushed himself back. He re-injured it. He was never the same all year. I can't remember the last time that a guy suffered a high ankle sprain and then returned to action in the same season and was what we expected him to be. Uh, before the injury is this really like okay we, we may get him back in eight weeks but is this really a, a year injury like jerry judy really won't be jerry judy until next year yeah i mean i i've got some historical comps just like looking at different and i try to keep it specific to the position because there's different demands based on the position that you play just looking at like different severities of it like there's guys that have had a high ankle sprain and their production post injury and even farther out post injury has been pretty good. Like um, Christian Kirk in 2019, we had him for a high ankle sprain. He only missed three games. So that tells me that was maybe a little less severe of a high ankle sprain, um, but came back and was, you know, producing right where he was, if not, a, you know, substantially above three weeks out, I got him at um, even a 60% uptick in production. Um, Michael Thomas is definitely the one that people think about. And I think it's probably one that's a, the uh, most relatable to, to Jerry Judy because of the timeline that he missed. Um, but there's even other guys last year that um, were suffering high ankle sprains at the wide receiver position um, and weren't missing as much time. And their production was still pretty good. Terry McLaurin had a pretty minor high ankle sprain. Um, Brandon Ayuk is another guy. Um, so it definitely can be done. Um, and we might talk about this later. I think it's more of a limiting factor for running backs. That's definitely where I see a more of a, con, uh, consistent trend downward after the high ankle sprain. Um, so for a wide receiver, I'd maybe be a little less concerned. The only thing that'd be concerning is when you look at the people that fit into that category of like six weeks and above where you know okay this was a pretty significant high ankle sprain um those outcomes aren't as great does that make sense like if you're missing more time the injury is more severe so therefore you would expect your production to take a bigger hit which it seems to to be the case and it totally makes sense uh position by position basis um i i would I just and you're the expert, and that's why we have you here. I just would lean towards not having Judy for a couple of months. He seems to be a guy that he relies on his route running, his feet to create separation. And if he's not a hundred percent, he's not going to be the Jerry Judy that we know. So uh, I would expect, like you said, a longer prognosis because it looked like this was broken. And it's probably sort of a godsend that it wasn't. So, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I um, think I if you're if you're strategizing, not to cut you off there, I think if you're strategizing, no. um, you can't trade them, you can't drop them, you stick them on your IR slot, and then if you get something later in the season, it's gravy. Like I would prepare for the worst, but um, he he was so exciting and brilliant to watch in that that first week that you could see the potential of you know what we've been finally waiting for so i think he's a holding on to if you if you can afford to at that ir spot yeah absolutely 
Um, another week one injury uh, that that I wanted to touch on briefly uh, was uh, and listen Taylor Taylor Heineke aside, forget how how well he played. We kind of saw, uh, or at least it was evident to me in that playoff game last year that if he got a shot, uh, he could he could run away with this job. But just speaking from a pure injury standpoint, uh, the hip injury that Ryan Fitzpatrick suffered, how significant is it? Uh, do you expect him to be back? And if so, when? So it it's pretty significant. Um it's different than the two injury. Um, and I think it's easy to draw the comparison there because you get, you have a hip injury here um, where it, the hip is essentially dislocated. Um, but it sounds like Fitzpatrick dodged some, some major injury in terms of he didn't have a fracture, uh, no damage to the cartilage or anything like that in the hip joint. Um, so in theory, what you're really looking at for recovery there is you want the inflammation to go down, but now the muscles and the ligaments that hold that hip joint in place have been stretched beyond their threshold. So, um, they're going to be a little bit hypermobile and you're, you're really working on trying to in, uh, build up some of that internal stability. I think even though he didn't have a fracture or a labral tear, and those would be season ending injuries, um, it leaves the door open that he could return. But I think you're looking at a lengthy absence. Um, I have him projected to miss eight games based on that injury. Um, so injury aside, then you're looking just at from a strategy standpoint or how he's playing. I mean, Heineke hasn't been bad. If Fitzpatrick's out for eight weeks and Heineke plays well, I mean, I don't, I, I think it would be difficult for Washington to give Fitzpatrick that, that job back with based on that, that absence. Yeah, for sure. For sure. All right. So, uh, we'll jump, jump to, uh, this week, uh, week two, we saw a litany of injuries this week, uh, I'll start uh, with the 49ers backfield. Um, mm-hmm. I, I guess the 49ers uh, signed me uh, right before we came <laughs> on the air um, to play to play a little uh, tailback. Uh, nice. they, they, Congratulations. They, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm really looking forward to it. But uh, they, they so Elijah Mitchell uh, with the shoulder, Trey Sermon, concussion, Jamichael Hasty, high ankle sprain. Uh, mm-hmm. Do any of these guys have a shot to play this weekend? And if so, who? And if not, how long bef- before we see these guys back on the field? Yeah. If I had to rank them, um, and it this might surprise people because there are some po- reports today that Mitchell is dealing with, you know, more than a, than a shoulder or, or a stinger injury. Um, if I had to rank them right now in terms of who I think is going to play or most likely to play, I would start with Mitchell, then I would go Sermon, and then I would go Jamichael Hasty. Jamichael Hasty is going to miss time. I mean, we talked about the high ankle sprain with Jerry Judy and it being a killer for running backs. Um, on average, three and a half games missed. So I think you probably pencil in um, Hasty for, for an IR stint here coming up. Um, Sermon, I mean, the concussion thing is tough. Concussions are, we talk about this, like the variety of injuries and grading and things like that. There's not a grading system for concussions. It's all just based on how you progress through symptoms. Um, So his practice reports are going to be really telling in terms of has he cleared the concussion protocol. It wouldn't surprise me if at minimum, if a player has a concussion, they're missing at least a week. Um, Elijah Mitchell with this, the stinger injury. And if, if people don't know what, what that entails, it's essentially the, 
the nerve bundle that runs from like your neck to your shoulder is stretched beyond its, its, um, you know, plastic zone of where it is. And that can sound like that's really painful because it is. Um, but it's something that is like a really acute flare up. You're in some pain, inflammation goes down, you get a little bit stretched out and it, it kind of writes itself out. I was talking about it today on Twitter. Like I usually don't get those players in the clinic because especially around my area with like high school football players and things like that, when they have an injury like that, by the time I'm back at work on like Monday or when they would be coming in Monday or Tuesday, like they're asymptomatic, they're, they're fine. Their, their symptoms have calmed down. The ones that have been a little bit more severe, it's been about, um, you know, a week or two, but, um, so I, I went and looked up some just like research data that they might possibly have on, on stingers in, in college and NFL football players, 85% didn't miss were were able to return without missing uh, any games. So I think that's promising for Mitchell. Um, he's somebody that I think I would be looking, you know, potentially for playing in, in, um, as a running back for the 49ers this week. Um, so Mitchell's going to be back this week, uh, sermon, maybe a week. And, and I don't know if you saw that, uh, that, uh, hit by sermon there. That was violent. Uh, it looks it's almost like it was helmet to helmet. And, yeah. um, uh, he, he immediately went down. The, that's the thing that's so tricky about concussions is I've seen guys that have taken, taken really aggressive hits and gone into concussion protocol. And you're thinking there's no way that guy's coming back. And then they do. And then I've seen guys that it looks like it's, it's a fairly minor concussion, um, but they end up not playing. It, it just really depends on your symptoms, which is why I'd be more hesitant about sermon. I think there's still a possibility that Mitchell um, misses this week, but I'm definitely most, most optimistic about, about him playing. And then based on the other injuries, I know it was, they were sharing and it was a little bit of a committee there uh, with hasty and, and a little bit of sermon, but, um, I think Eliza Mitchell might be the guy this week. Yeah. sounds like it. So if you spent your, your fab budget on Elijah Mitchell, uh, it might not end up being such a bad thing. I definitely did. Um, did you? I did. I emptied the clip in a couple of spots. Nice. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't exhaust it all, but I definitely spent a uh, a hefty, hefty amount of my budget, about sixty five to seventy percent of my budget in some leagues to to get them. So I want to ask you because this is something that I saw on Twitter, and uh, be, since I'm a Forty Nine er fan, I wanted to to run this by you. The Forty ers had a lot of injuries last year. That's that's no uh, secret. Okay. Mm-hmm. And they've started off this year and now they've, they've suffered a, uh, a few injuries to the backfield already. Uh, I, and I, I, since 2013, uh, the 49ers uh, have suffered the most ACL injuries in the NFL with 24. Wow. Yeah. A, that seems like a lot. And B, could it be something that we're doing, or is this just happenstance? Um, so it'd be interesting to know how that compares to like to other teams. I know you guys you you said you had the most. Um, so like for example, the Raiders have the fewest with just two. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, there, there, it's football. So I mean, there's going to be th- those injuries are, are going to happen. It would be interesting to look at 
a couple things. Um, you know, our, but the 49ers, they, they play on grass, right? They don't play on an artificial. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Um, cause there's, there's some people and there's some evidence that suggests that artificial turf leaves you at a higher risk, um, for suffering those type of injuries. You know, it, it could be something that is just getting missed um, in some of these like pre-screening draft processes where every team has an evaluation process of how they, they, they give players an injury risk. Um, so it could be something that's maybe getting overlooked there. You know, it's hard to quantify practice styles or, or, or playing styles. That is a lot. I think, there's definitely someone in that organization that's looking at that because that's, that's your money. That's your, your, your source of, you know, income um, and, and, and what you guys are doing and where you're putting your investments. Um, I, it, it'd be hard to say, it'd be hard to say off of that, but that, that'd be something interesting. Something that I've been interested in. I just haven't had enough time to sit down and look at it is because the notion that Kyle Shanahan is so rough on running backs with that zone blocking scheme and things like that. Um, something that I've wanted to look at, it's just been hard to track down the numbers is just looking at specific uh, offensive schemes. If there's a correlation between any types of injuries and running backs and things like that, I think would be interesting to look at. That would be interesting. If you do put something like that together, you'd have to come back on the show and, and let us know what you find. For sure. Absolutely. Okay. All right. Oh, we're going to stay on the West Coast, and uh, we're going to mm-hmm. move on to uh, Daryl Henderson. He was a DNP today. Did not practice. Uh, the hope was for him to test it out on Friday, and and they still have hope that he might play this weekend. Yeah. Uh, did you see this injury? And and I did. Uh, does he have a legitimate shot to get out there this weekend? I think so. Uh, I wrote about it on Sunday. Um, when I was writing about it, and honestly, nothing, not a whole lot has changed since then. That I, I thought he was a true 50 50 shot to, to play this weekend. Um, it's going to become come down to pain management, it's not going to feel great. Um, for this type of injury where you, you have some type of bruising to the cartilage and or injury to the cartilage, on average, um, running backs are missing about two games for that, but there's certainly players that have missed one game or no games at all. Um, it depends a lot on the location. So his teammate Cam Akers had something very similar to this, but it was more in the upper chest region last year, and he missed two games. Um, it sounds like, and what I saw from video, I think Darrell Henderson's injuries in the in the lower ribs, like the, what what are called like the floating ribs. Um, which are a little bit more exposed, but you can definitely wear some padding and protection. So it's, it's a little bit more comfortable. Um, I would guess that he is limited on Friday. Um, and they, they, they try to give him some, uh, some type of steroid injection or pain management. Um, but I think he does have a legit shot. I've actually accidentally ended up with like a lot of Darrell Henderson this year. So I'm kind of selfishly hoping that he, he plays as well. Um, but I think he has a legit shot for sure. Cool. Um, okay. Uh, we're going to stick with the rib uh, theme here. And uh, I want to talk about Tua for a second. Um, Cause it, initially he was listed as, um, you know, just had some some bruising in the ribs, and he was day to day. 
and now he's got fractured ribs and he's considered week to week. And there was like a report out there that he wanted to play, but they, the team wasn't going to let him play. And it just seems like, you know, when, when I was a kid watching football, guys like Steve Young would throw on a flak jacket and get out there. Is, is that something, is this a pain management thing or is there a legit risk for him to uh, further injure himself if they are fractured? There, there's a legit risk because if the actual rib bone is fractured, um, if you sustain a hit that progresses that fracture, you can have, um, you know, sharp ends of that, the, the rib fracture puncturing you internally, the lungs, the lungs being a big one. Um, so there definitely is, is a re-injury risk. I mean, this, this changed things because I, when the dolphins reported, reported that he didn't have a fracture, I thought this could be a one to two week thing, pain management playing through it. Now with the fracture, you're definitely going to want that stuff to heal. So I think at minimum, you're looking at four weeks because it's the QB position. It's definitely, I think a little bit more demanding on the ribs, just based on the movements they have to do that throwing motion, as opposed to like a running back. Um, who's definitely sustaining more hits, but they don't have those upper overhead movements that would um, exacerbate some of those those rib symptoms. I think you're looking at potentially four to six weeks for Tua. Um, I definitely would pencil him in for, for four weeks missed. Um, Drew Brees had something similar to this last year, and he missed four weeks, and he kind of struggled when he, when he did come back. Um, so it would be definitely something to watch. The other thing, and this is maybe more of a question for you because I know you watch a lot of these guys, um, it might be to save Tua from himself. It seems like he's holding on the ball a little bit too long and not really recognizing adjustments and you know help, helping himself by shifting protection and things like that. Um, I don't know. Maybe you can comment on that. Yeah, I think Tua is re- you can I think you can see it in his play a little bit and in the preseason he looked a lot like he played a little bit in the preseason and he looked pretty loose. Uh but his you know you can see he seems like he's feeling the pressure um to really perform and and that's uh that's unfortunate. Um you know there's all these rumors around him about you know they're going to trade for Deshaun Watson and and that you know that sort of thing and he he hasn't even really been given the opportunity yet. Um, his first off season was cut short due to COVID and and he was rehabbing from a hip injury and and uh, he didn't get any work and and then Fitzpatrick was there and then they went to Tua but then they were yanking him off the field at the end of games and. And uh, now this offseason, he looked pretty good, and now the season has started and he's already hurt again. Um, so I'm going to throw this back to you because we have another friend of the show out there, Edwin Portis, uh, who likes to say there's no such thing uh, as injury-prone. Is there such thing as injury-prone in your estimation? Because it seems like Tua has suffered a lot of little nagging injuries, even going back to his Alabama days. And it just se- seems like that – injuries sort of follow certain guys around yeah i i think there is it's i think generally overall the majority of players no i think in Tua's case i'm going to say no he's just been unfortunate there's definitely like anybody there's definitely people with different tissue quality um 
healing times and things like that, everyone's has a different biological makeup that I think some guys do tend to get injured and take a little bit longer to recover from, from said injuries. But I just, some of the stuff that he's had has just been a little fluky and quite honestly, uh, unlucky for, for Tua that I'm not ready to put him there. Sort of like early in his career, Keenan Allen, like he suffered one significant injury and then he, he ruptured like his kidney, like his cut his kidney and everybody was like, Oh, he's injury prone. And I'm like, he cut his kidney. Yeah. It's not like he, you know, that's not a regular football injury there. Mm -hmm. And it, you know, knock on wood, Keenan Allen has been solid ever since. Like he's, he's been a, he's been a pros pro. Uh, so it's good to hear that you're not ready to throw in the towel on Tua just yet. So if you have him in a, like on a, on your dynasty team or, or something like that, you're kind of holding, um, four weeks. You you don't expect them like, wouldn't you think they would just go ahead and put them on short term IR if they felt like he was going to be out four weeks? Yeah. I think there's still a possibility that that happens. It sounds like they, they just found out today kind of the real extent of the injury. They still been trying to figure it out a little bit. Um, so I wouldn't be shocked if they, you know, sign somebody from their practice squad as, as a quarterback and then put two on IR. I, with a fracture, the, you know, the minimum, the time frame that we give everybody, but for a fracture is four to six weeks. Um, so if they want that thing, that, that rib to heal up, then he should be sitting out at least four. Wow. All right. So we'll, we'll, you, you talked about, uh, different makeups and things like that. Um, for different players and, and their what their cartilage and, and soft tissues. Uh, I'm going to move on to a guy whose soft tissue is seemingly made of paper mache, uh, and that's Carson Wentz. Uh, I mean, yeah, man, I'm I'm just so over this guy. He suffered a right high ankle sprain and a left garden variety ankle sprain uh, on Sunday. And I guess he's undergoing treatment in hopes of suiting up. Does he have any chance at all to get out there on Sunday? Because there's a lot of skill position uh, guys who hang in the balance of, uh, you know, his are hinging on his fate. For sure. I heard he was, uh, he was riding around the, the complex in a, in a jazzy uh, on a little scooter <laughs> this week. Seriously, that's what I that's what I heard is that he was, he was taking the pressure off his off his legs. Um, yeah, I mean, he's gonna visit the Grand Canyon in one of those hover rounds. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. He's got Crocs on. Um, yeah. He's going to Walmart. Um, it, you know, for we talked a lot about high ankle sprains. I think because of the physical demands for a quarterback, certainly he could play. Um, the risk is obviously re-injury or progressing it. The fact that he has the other leg that's banged up now, I think hurts his chances a lot. Jimmy Garoppolo tried to play through a high ankle sprain last year and he made it worse. Um, so the fact that Carson Wentz doesn't even necessarily have a good leg now because he's down and, and you got to, you know, um, he had a fracture in oh, – I forgot. I, I wrote it down. I forgot. I think it was his left foot this offseason, right? Did he fracture his left foot or right foot? He fractured one I of think them. It, so he's already I think it was his – I think it was his left foot. Okay. Because I think it was his non-plant foot. Yeah. So he's already, you know, had had an injury earlier that he's still probably recovering from. Um, 
So yeah, it'd be, I'd be surprised. Let's put it that way. Like I'm not overly optimistic that Carson Wentz uh, suits up on Sunday. He could surprise me. Um, and if he does play, you know, I would say the likelihood of him having a flare up and being taken out of that game or them playing Easton in the second half would, would be high as well. Yeah, so the the more that I think about this, if the right ankle is the high ankle, that's his plant leg. And yep. it would seemingly be hard, you know, to to do the things that he needs to do to, to plant and drive that football. Uh, could it be, you know, we all remember – well, maybe you're, you're a little bit younger than I am, but I remember Dan Marino uh, playing with, you know, no Achilles and, and you know, no knees and two braces. And he, he just – he was a statue back there. But he got the he, – all he had to right. do was stand there and take the snap. He got the ball out so damn quick uh, that it didn't matter. Is, could – you know, is, is that, that of a possibility? I mean, could we see Wentz in that, that sort of uh, capacity? Or you just don't think there's a shot he plays this week? I mean, I think there is. Um, I didn't look at last year's numbers, but the year before that, I was just looking at like run rates for quarterbacks and passer rating. And Carson Wentz was actually one of the few quarterbacks that was more accurate when he was on the run outside of the pocket than he was in the pocket. Um, so again, I think that's that's a part of his game um, and something that he does with with bilateral ankle injuries um that's going to be an issue he he's also somebody that um at least he hasn't done it so much this year but he's definitely been i wouldn't say like an elusive but he's been an effective runner rushing the ball um so i think you're with both with these injuries to both ankles you're taking a big part of his game away i i just don't see it and the colts are desperate too i mean they're owing two um yeah so am the I. division, <laughs> we, we've all been there, man. We've all been there. Um, that division is seemingly for the taking. Like you, I guess the way I'm thinking, and I, I get their competitors and things like that. Like, why not get Carson Wentz right? He's clearly not right now. Shut him down for three weeks. Put him on short term IR. Hopefully, no, the division's no, not. No, no, uh, no. Yeah, bad noises. Hope, Hopefully the division's not too far away by now. I mean, the Texans aren't going anywhere. The Titans have gotten off to a slow start. Um, I don't know. I mean, it's it's just snowballing right now for Carson Wentz. Oh, man. That's, that's just not what I wanted to hear. Um, that's good Sorry. stuff, though, about the, the, you know, him being more accurate uh, on the move and, and things like that. that that's uh that's really interesting. I would have never pegged. Yeah, I knew that moving around was part of his game, but would have never thought that he was. But when you think about it, some of the more uh, spectacular plays he's made, like that throw to Miles Sanders uh, in the back of the end zone against the the football team, you know, that he was on the run, and I still don't know how he got that ball there, but. Uh, anyway, uh, we'll move on. We're going to stay on quarterbacks. Uh, Tyrod Taylor was placed on IR, and this was a significant injury. They knew almost immediately they ruled him out for the Thursday game, for tomorrow's game against the Panthers. Uh, he was subsequently placed on IR. He's going to be out for at least three weeks. I would I would guess it's going to be a lot longer than three weeks uh, with a, with a significant hamstring strain. Did you see this? 
And mm-hmm. do you agree that it's probably going to be a lot longer than, than the IR stint? Yeah, dude, that's a, that's a great shot there from uh, brother Matt. Cause I, I think that's the play Tyrod Taylor definitely uh, hurt his hamstring. They were showing some other one where he rushed for the touchdown, but I think this is the one that really uh, sent him in. Um, yeah, they rule him out immediately. Um, they took him out of the game immediately. They're like, yeah, he's done. We need to get further testing. We need to get MRI to uh, see the extent of this. Um, I mean, I, I talked about video is not perfect. It's not diagnostic, but just based on kind of the mechanism there, um, the way Tex, the way the Texans handled his injury, I, I think it's possible it's a grade two hamstring strain, which would mean that he would be out likely four to six weeks. I think it's very possible he misses six weeks. Six weeks. Uh, so, I mean, Davis Mills time, baby. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, hey, the last two quarterbacks that uh, came in for a Tyrod Taylor injury were Baker Mayfield and Justin Herbert. There you go. That's good company. Yeah, yeah. They never, they never gave the ball back. Poor Tyrod. Uh, we'll too, stay. Man. I mean, yeah, I know. He's just like he can't catch a break. The doctor took him out last year, and then he's got this <laughs> going on. Uh, if you listen to uh, our our friend Fantasy Stoner, he says the doctor took him out intentionally. <laughs> oh, and he oh, wanted I... me to mention some football game from this weekend. I was like, uh, what was it? Some Purdue-Notre uh, Dame game. Yeah, man, I thought we were friends. I thought we were better <laughs> friends than that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, okay, so we'll we'll stay we'll stay in the same game, and I'm going to switch to the other side of the ball. Uh, the Browns, Jarvis Landry, uh, suffered a knee injury. I guess an MCL sprain. He was placed on short term IR, and he this is a guy who does not miss time. He has not missed a game in his NFL career. Uh, so when Sunday rolls around, this will be the first time that his team is out there without him. Uh, is this just going to be a three-week thing, or is is this going to be a longer stint? Do you think? And do, uh, and I does think, his durability play into a decision like this? For sure, for sure. I mean, I, we talked about like tissue quality with with some players and and, and others. I think uh, for the wide receiver position, three weeks is a good estimate of time missed. I wouldn't be surprised if it was four weeks. Um, but that's kind of the ballpark where I'm at with Jarvis Landry. Um, something interesting that I looked at, I mean, cause I'm, I'm tracking these injuries. I'm updating data from year to year, just giving historical comps. Everybody's different, but for the wide receiver position, um, three games, I looked at, you know, their production immediately after the injury when they return and then three games out. And as far as three games out, wide receivers were still seeing a dip in their production between 30 to 40%. Wow. And that's significant. When you look at somebody like Jarvis Landry, that might not mean a whole lot because he's such a high scorer. He gets a lot of volume in that offense. He's a PPR producer, but it's significant in the sense that just how the Browns offense moves, it's not a high volume passing attack. It's very run heavy. um, So there's limited opportunities there. So it's something I think I would be nervous about a little bit with Jarvis Landry. Um, I don't think he's a complete fade, but I'd manage expectations. Um, I'm definitely not going to play him the first week that he comes back. Just based on those numbers, I want to see it for sure. 
Um, and then if I see him struggling, he might be somebody that I'm going to bench for a couple of weeks, knowing that, you know, that three week window after the injuries is, is kind of iffy for those guys. Interesting. Um, so Landry goes out, uh, OBJ, it looks like he's going to play this weekend. Um, you mentioned not playing Landry the first week back. Are you throwing Odell Beckham out there if you got him or is it something you want to wait and see? I want to wait and see. Um, I hate to be poo-pooing on Cleveland's Browns fans here because um, I Odell Beckham was a big fade for me this offseason um, just because of how he's able to produce and what he was looking at post-ACL injury. So for an ACL, I'm less concerned about a player's ability to accelerate. I'm more concerned about their ability to decelerate. Okay. The deceleration is where that ACL ligament's getting strained. Okay. A lot of Odell Beckham Jr.'s production, when I looked at Matt Harmon's reception perception, so looking from um, 2019 and 2020, 21% of Odell Beckham's Jr.'s most productive routes were curl routes and um, dig routes. So routes where you've got to accelerate upfield, decelerate real, real quick, and come cut back. That was a huge part of his route tree. That's where a lot of his production came from. Um, for an ACL injury like that, you you want you want to make sure that's solid. You I mean, and if he's struggling with some of those mechanics, if that's something that he's not completely confident in, then I think that's something that could translate to decreased fantasy production early on there. It was a reason that I was less worried about Cortland Sutton because I mean Cortland Sutton's a nice one on, on Matt Harmon's reception perception, but um without throwing shade at Corden Sutton, his route tree is a little less sophisticated. He's more of get vertical. I'm going to bully this smaller defender, the smaller DB. I'm going to go over the top on him. I mean, we saw everyone's talking about air yards this, this week. I mean, Corden Sutton's got the most air yards of of everybody, but that's kind of his game. He's not going to, he's not going to beat you with a, a lot of these, you know, in and out routes, digs, whip routes and things like that, where I think Odell Beckham Jr. Historically has, um, feature that more in his game. So I'm definitely going to wait and see. He could surprise me and it, it could be there, but when it's such a big part of that guy's profile, um, I'm hedging there a little bit and I'm concerned. That's good stuff. That's a uh, really good stuff. Uh, yeah. And something that I'm, I'm quite certain that a lot of people didn't take into consideration. Um, tw- uh, that 20% is a good chunk. Yeah. Uh, for someone who relies on starting and stopping and cutting like Odell Beckham. Absolutely. Um, speaking of a uh, guy who starts, stops, cuts, and and, and does a lot of things uh, route-wise, Deontay Johnson, a more insignificant injury has never occurred in the history of the NFL. This was a game that the Steelers could not have won had – the Lord descended and suited up for them the last 20 seconds. And yet there they were with Deontay Johnson on the field, catching a meaningless pass and getting tackled and injuring himself. Uh, this is a guy who has got has enjoyed a 31% target share the first two weeks, just a massive part of their offense. Mm-hmm. 
he did not practice today. Uh, do you think he plays this weekend? And if not, when do you think you see him back? This one is the toughest for me because there's literally nothing. And you're going to get me on my soapbox a little bit because, I mean, I'm a subscriber to NFL Game Pass, and they took away all 22 film. Which yeah, I know. That's a, ridiculous. Yeah, And they said they were going to bring it back, and they said it would be back by week one, week two at the latest. And I'm at week two, and I still have no all 22. I could not see how – Deontay Johnson's knee got injured. The angle was terrible in game. And usually when it's like that, I kind of go back to all 22 because like I was telling you when watching guys like pro football doc and things like that, I want to refine my process and just get a better eye for some of those injuries. I don't have another angle. I have no idea kind of what happened. We just know it wasn't an ACL. Mike Tomlin hasn't said anything. He said it's good, but not to be confused with, great or something like that in terms of Deontay Johnson's knee injury. I, I forget the exact quote that, that, hit, that he used. He said something, something along the lines of that. He says, it's looking better not to be confused with great. I have no idea what that means. Um, yeah. What I'm hopeful for here. And I did a little bit of digging on Twitter. Someone that follows the Steelers pretty heavily and is kind of like monitoring things. Um, I'm going to, I don't even, I forget her name. I apologize. She did a really good job of like breaking down Deontay Johnson in week one and week two. I guess he, he banged knees with somebody against Buffalo in week one. Um, so there could be, and it was the same knee. So there could be something where he's just got like a really deep bruise and he's just kind of playing through there. He, when he was hobbling off the field, it definitely didn't look like a bruise, but it, it definitely could be. I think what you're hoping for here is that it is a bruise or a very minor knee sprain. You definitely don't want a bone bruise because that's a bruise that's like within the joint line, basically like a fracture, which would shut him down. The fact that they haven't shut him down is telling me that he's probably missed a significant MCL sprain or a bone bruise. And is just working through a minor knee sprain or you know a deep contusion in his quad. Be optimistic, but again, it's a lot of speculation. Like I, I literally have nothing to go off of. Well, yeah, and the absence of information is speculation. So, uh, yeah, and like you said, there's been nothing said. There's uh, Mike Tomlin's double talking and bring back uh, all twenty-two game pass. I yeah, mean, come on, come on, that's what man. I'm paying for. That's what everybody's paying for. <laughs> yeah. Um, Adam, we definitely appreciate you coming on, man. You definitely brought it. Um, tell the folks how they can uh, get at you and how they can uh, see your content. Absolutely, man. I appreciate you having me on. It's always a good time. Um, you can find me on Twitter. I'm usually there tweeting about football stuff, maybe occasionally about Purdue football. On Saturdays, you might want to mute me because there will be a good solid three hours where I'm just tweeting about Purdue football, maybe Rondell Moore, maybe David Bell. But besides they that, they ever get most... that big ass drum in the stadium Saturday? No, they wouldn't. They wouldn't let it in. Oh, they would not yeah. let it in. Yeah, they would not let us. It's too small. To, to, yeah. Don't get me started. <laughs> you already got me on that all twenty-two <laughs> rant. Uh, um, uh, yeah you can you can find me on twitter there i'm mostly talking about fantasy football stuff um or 444.com got a ton of fantasy football content the guys over there are killing it we've got some people that are a lot smarter than me putting out some analytical stuff some dfs content and things like that it's it's definitely worth the follow if you pay for the subscription um 
it's 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 well worth it. I can't talk enough of good things about those guys and how they've uh, guys and gal that and how they've uh, welcomed me to the team. Awesome, good stuff. Uh, again, thank you for coming at the real Adam H. Uh, you can get at me at uh, ff underscore Terminator and stay tuned for a big uh, red zone episode uh, or a big red zone announcement. I uh, hope you enjoyed this episode. Hope you found it as informative as I did. Um, and uh, we'll see you next time.